purposes to. <laughs> what was that? What voice was that? That wasn't even your presentation I voice. I powerful stories, impactful content designed to make a difference, a supportive and engaging community. People struggling with mental health deserve more. We know what it's like to be low. We plan to give back to those who really need it. Our aim is to build the largest, most supportive mental health community in the world. We want to bridge the gap between mental stigma and popular culture and show that anything is possible. And now, here's your host, Matt and Rich. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is how the... That is how the very first podcast started. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. We've been we've been sat here for about easily an hour talking about how we're going to record a podcast, and then we decided we'd just turn on the button. As soon as we did, uh, yeah, we died. That, that's how that's how we rolled. Anyway, so Rose. that's that's, uh, that's how this podcast journey is starting. Uh, <laughs> my name is Richard Williams, and this is Matt Tustin that you can hear. Hello, how you doing? Uh, and this is the Think Tank. So we are uh, the founders of a project called The Think Project. And uh, the reason that we created The Think Project is to empower people who suffer with mental health. Uh, our purpose moving forward is going to be to create content, fun stuff, um, cool stuff to equip you with the tools and knowledge to A, love yourself and B, get through some mm. particularly tough times. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail as to why we're doing this and our background uh shortly we will indeed yeah cool so there so, we, we go the first the first intro is done rich it's done. um we <laughs> take, could re-record it but let's not let's just we keep it take a deep breath <laughs> uh, so what are we gonna what's what are we gonna do today so this is the founding episode of the podcast they will get more structured and i promise they'll be better after this one you won't just hear us <laughs> laughing in your face uh but today we have to launch and start somewhere and so today's going to be a little bit about um us ourselves the, the stories that we have and why we feel so passionate about mental health and doing something positive within that space. Um, we'll talk to you a little bit about the Think Project, why we started it, what our goals are. Um, and then we'll finish with um, how you can help, how you can help mm -hmm. and what, what, what we ask of you and how you can get involved and how together we can build, well, a thriving community that, that adds real value and makes a massive difference. That's, mm. that's the end goal. So, um, where should we start? Should we start a little bit about us? Matt, tell me about yourself. Okay, it was at this point that the podcast completely broke down. A uh, bit of laughter, but mainly me falling asleep while Matt uh, decided to tell you all that about the south of England. He went a bit geographical on us. He was talking about Wokingham being in the south of England, and he'd always been in the south. And I'm sorry. You guys don't care. Anyway, back to the podcast. So, we debated about how much of our life stories you actually want from us. And I think we both decided that it was probably going to be minimal. So I'm going to give We you don't want to bore, bore you too yeah. much. Not yet. Anyway. <laughs> Not yet. And the fact of the matter is you're going to get to know us over time the more you listen. Hopefully yep. you listen on. So um, I'll give you a real rough snapshot. I've worked in sales and marketing all of my life. Um, I support West Ham United. I'm married to a lovely lady called Lisa, who's long suffering. Uh, and I have two children, Jackson and Carter. Jackson's six going on 14 and Carter's four and an absolute terror. Uh, but as I say, you're going to learn more about me. You, Matt? Um, Alrighty. I like that. Very quick fire. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to thought, the point. I thought I'd get it out there because I've got something uh, nice in store for, for next. So oh, have you? Tell them oh, about okay. you. Tell them about you. Alrighty. Um, so 
I'm Matt. Um, I am married. Two and a half years I've been married to wonderful um, Lady Holly, also long-suffering, I think. Um, we have our first baby on the way in um, in just 62 days, not that I'm counting or anything. Congrats. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love playing bass. I love sport. Um, I've been a personal trainer, working in the fitness industry for, for most of my adult life. Um, so that's it. In a, in a nutshell, I'll keep it Short and sweet. And we both support West Ham. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that bit. So if you, if you, <laughs> if you support Tottenham, probably best hit the pause button. And move yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. That's you a would, joke. This, this isn't for you. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I thought we'd do. Um, we could have given you our live stories, but instead I thought that we'd, um, we'd do something a little bit more creative. So I did a little bit of research and I came across a website with 65 icebreaker questions. Right, Max okay. just found out about this okay. literally 60 seconds ago <laughs> uh, because I just forwarded him the link. And what we're going to do in in something that's either going to make or break the thing project is we're going to think on the spot and ask each other a few icebreaker questions. Uh, I'm I'm thinking that the success of this will really hinge on whether people come, come back and listen to podcast number two. But let's give it a go. And I promise we're about to talk about mental health. But let's get this out of the way because I feel this is really important. All right, let's do this. Go ahead and you kick so, it off. I'm going to ask a few questions. Um, Matt, you're going to answer them off the top of your head, and hopefully people will get an understanding that we are literally idiots. <laughs> um, okay, so if a movie was being made of your life, Matt, and you could choose yep. the actor or actress to play you, who would you choose and why? <laughs> <laughs> don't, uh, don't crumble. Actor uh, Jack Black. <laughs> why? Because he's got a beard and he's probably a little bit chubbier than he should be right now. He's certainly funnier than you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Go on then, hit me with a question. Uh, would you rather always say everything on your mind or never speak again? <laughs> I think we both know the answer <laughs> to that question, mate. Silly question. There are no words coming out of this mouth. <laughs> I'd land us in some hot water, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what is the scariest thing that you've ever done for fun? Scariest thing ever done for fun. Um, probably jump off my old school's roof and almost break both feet in the act. Why on earth did you do that? Alcohol for you. Oh, for God. You were drinking at school? Well, we'd left school by this point. <laughs> <laughs> what, for the day or not? <laughs> we were on lunch, lunch break. <laughs> we'd left school. We were, we were past the school age by this point. You know, you always think, these things are a good idea at the time, right? I've got to be honest, I never thought drinking during school was a good thing. <laughs> no, no. I'll leave that one for you. Go on then, hit me with one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, that's not one for radio. Um, <laughs> this, this isn't a good podcast. This is not good listening, mate. You're just laughing. I've, I've just read Belly Dance to a Country Song. <laughs> Come on. Um Name the person in the room who you think is the best dressed. <laughs> so I don't think he was going to dress. Next. <laughs> go for it. All right, here we go. Um, hold on a minute. I've got a good one. How do you, What? Uh, sorry, what do you look for in a friend? Oh, deep. Someone just like yourself, Richard. Oh, no, that's a cop out. That is what, a cop out. Isn't it? What do you really look for? What um, makes a good friend to you, Matt? What makes a good friend? Um, doesn't just like you for the traits and what you're currently, what you are currently like, but they'll, they'll love you, whatever you're like, whatever state you're in, whether you're suffering, whether you're 
up there, flying high. So they're there for you always. Always there for you. No strings yeah. attached. Even when you're not the life and soul of the party and all you want to do is maybe sit in a ball in a dark room, they're still there for you just as much. Okay. All right. Well, look, let's do let's do one more each. Go on, hit me with something. Describe your worst date ever. My worst date ever. I haven't had many dates, mate, to be honest. <laughs> I've been with Lisa since I was about 16 years so old. So it's probably one with Lisa. I'll tell you what, what, I, yeah, this, this is going to be an issue because the worst date that I've ever had was with her, but I'm still with her. So <laughs> technically by default, she was my worst ever date. Um, I, I don't yeah. have one. That was a bad a bad choice, I feel. Um, hold on a minute. If you were the eighth dwarf, what would your name be? <laughs> Beardy. It's a good one. All right. I think that's enough because people will obviously get bored. But um, I, I think um, I think these might become a regular occurrence. I quite like these, yeah. I think we should do these with our guests. The quick fires. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. So how do we move forward on this? I think um, it's probably a good place to start as to why we're here and why we're talking about mental health. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about what the Think Project is in a minute. But um, it really all started with, with me, didn't it? Your story's um, inspirational, you know, inspired me, you know, your story inspired me to to want to be a part of this, you know, to, to get that story out there because it can help so many people, you know, it can it can resonate with so many people and it's, it will resonate with more and more people, you know, because it's becoming, you know, mental health challenges are becoming more of a thing. They're, they're attacking, you could say, more, more and more people every single day and and guys this is a super honest super powerful story that you're going to hear about rich so i've got i put a few questions down to ask him so i'll, I'll start when when did you know you were you were depressed when you know you were suffering um okay well it, it wasn't something that i i sort of woke up overnight and then had a realization mm -hmm. um it was a long a long building thing but i would say that um uh, it was probably best that I, in my, in the, in the role that I was working in, a large part of the role was that I had to, um, pitch. So I had to pitch, um, new business to clients. I worked for a digital agency. Uh, my job was to put together proposals for, I don't know, new websites or marketing campaigns. Uh, and I would then go into a room, normally the boardroom pitch to five or six people who'd sort of spend a couple of hours grilling me and I'd come out <laughs> the other end winning or losing. Um, yeah, some people love that sort of thing. Some people would never dream of doing it. Um, I've always been that way inclined and it's never been too much of a challenge. I was on my way to a particular pitch and I uh, was highly anxious. I was driving my car along a country road. Um, I was shaking. I was desperately low, um, feeling utterly, utterly terrible and just dreading the fact that I had to go into this room uh, and talk about stuff that I knew intimately, like the back of my hand. Um, there was no rhyme nor reason as to why I dreaded it so much, but I just did. And so I'm driving along a country road um, and I suddenly just got hit with a thought, I don't want to be here anymore. And it was a very, very sobering, stark thought. Um, and as I'm driving along, I'm looking at the trees on the side of the road and I just thought to myself, do you know what? I want to, I want to drive into one of those trees. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. And, um, wow. luckily I didn't listen to that, but what I did do was pull over on the side of the road, uh, got out my car, took a deep breath of fresh air and, uh, I was sick everywhere. 
Um, and so I think that was just the height of anxiety just crippling me and taking me to the point of very, very dangerous thoughts, but also um, taking over me physically. And so I mm. pulled over the side of the road, spent 10 minutes. I was sick. It was it was just absolutely awful. I remember it vividly. Um, and crazy enough, I got back in my car, drove to the pitch um, and then sort of performed for a couple of hours. And it actually took everything in my body um, to be able to go in and wear that mask uh, and pretend that everything was okay and um, and pitch and present my, my proposal. Um, mm. And the I got through it. Uh, I presented. Uh, I remember driving home. And when I got, got home around half four in the afternoon, I lay down on the bed and I, it had taken so much out of me. I was absolutely shattered, um, not physically, m emotionally. Uh, I lay down on the bed, I fell asleep uh, and actually didn't wake up until about 10 o'clock the next day. So it was probably one of the deepest sleeps I've ever had. And it was at that point, waking up late for work the next day, uh, that I realised actually, do you know what? This is this is not normal behaviour, and I've been doing this for a, a long time now. Wow! So, did you feel that point when you were driving in the car? Did you feel that building up over time, or did, was it kind of like, oh, hello, like, where are you? Well, where where have you come from, kind of thing? Well, I'd got to the no. I mean, I I I'd got very very good at pushing it to the back of my mind. So. Um, you know, as I say, a big part of my job was meetings and presenting and meeting clients and selling the services mm. that my company offer. Uh, and I'd always been so natural with it. But what I was finding was that when I was uh, when I had big things in the diary, like presentations or meetings, um, it would start building up the anxiety, the worry, the constantly thinking about what was coming was was building up and up as the days moved nearer and as it came the night before was always a big big struggle for me I used to remember thinking I'm sat at home um and I would talk to a friend or I talk to a family member and I'd tell them about how I was feeling and they'd see you know why are you being so stupid you do this every day this is what are you what the hell are you worried about you're brilliant mm. I was suddenly feeling like this imposter and there was nothing I could do about it and I always remember the, the utter relief of walking out of, of a particular meeting or you know, presentation, just how happy I was that it, it was done. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't a switch. It would gradually build up throughout the week until the point that I'm driving or getting the train to this thing and I'm physically shaking. Like I'm, you know, the anxiety is absolutely rife. Mm. Is that kind of, we often talk about mental health and putting on that brave face is wearing a mask. Did you almost feel like that I was mask like, was almost falling off uh, and well, you felt that kind of that pressure that the mask was almost falling off and you were going to get found out well, or I, yeah I mean I, I felt, is that kind of how you felt yeah because because I was feeling so insecure emotionally um I think one of the traits of, of anxiety is it just strips away any of your confidence you mm. you don't even the, the most simple tasks it could be brushing your teeth in the morning that you suddenly start finding yourself questioning um can I do this am I even doing this right have I even got it in me just to do this small thing let alone a big presentation and so uh, I think I'd become an absolute master of hiding how I was feeling to everyone mm. everyone around me family friends but most importantly work because I had this fear that if work found out how I was feeling I would lose my job because I it, it meant that I wouldn't yeah. be good at my job and they didn't need me anymore and so yeah mm. you're right driving to that particular one uh, because this happened ongoing for six months 
um, and was getting worse and worse. But driving to that particular one was the first time where I'd had to stop. I'd been physical in terms of my symptoms. Um, and I felt like this is, uh, I can't keep doing this. I'm losing yeah. the strength to be able to keep putting that mask on. Um, so yeah, so that, that was, that was that. that, that pressure, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening that suffers it, a lot of the additional pressure comes from that pressure of, you know, what are people going to think? Yeah. You know, I'm, am I going to get fired? You know, am I going to get frowned upon? You know, am I not going to be put up for that next promotion if they find out about, you know, how weak I am inside at the moment, you know, how or how weak I perceive myself to be at that moment? Yeah, well, the the, the, the backstory, uh, me at the time, is that... Um, and I'd, I won't go into too much detail, but I was living alone for the first time in my life. I'd been with Lisa since I was very young, 16 mm. years old. Yeah. And we'd gone for a little bit of a tough time for a number of reasons. And uh, I was living alone uh, with sort of 50% um, of the time I had two very, very young children. Yeah. And so I've got a, a very senior job. A lot depending on me. Um, I met the met. I measured the success of my job by walking into rooms full of people uh, and them either saying yes, we want you, or no, we don't. And so that comes with its own pressure, and I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, so yeah, so I'm living alone. Uh, I've got a very stressful job, and actually now more than ever, I need my job because I need mm. the money that comes with it. Um, and if I lose that job, I'm in grave, grave trouble. And yeah. so there was all of that, this and that, cauldron of that pressure. piles and, on more weight yeah. on the shoulders, yeah. Yeah, and so coupled with how I'm feeling, the pressure, needing the job, uh, yeah, I, I struggled to tell anyone. And it was it was a massive worry for me. Um, and it began manifesting in some crazy ways. I mean, I would be sat there in um, the office and I would see two people walk into the boardroom for a meeting. And I would convince myself that they were going in to talk about me. And yeah. uh, this sounds like an absolutely crazy thing, uh, but I'm sure there'll be tons of people listening to this that can I'm sure, yeah. relate to the paranoia that comes with something like anxiety. But I, I would convince myself they were going in to talk about me or to talk about um, sacking me. And it was completely irrational. There was no sign. There was no reason why I should mm. think that, but that that's what it was like. Uh, I remember... Uh, people would have their birthdays and uh, they'd be surprised with a cake at their desk and someone would bring over a birthday cake and the whole office would stand up and sing happy birthday to them. It happened to the person sat next to me. And just the um, the amount of people crowded round my desk uh, in that close proximity, sort of looking in my direction, was enough to totally tip me over the edge. And I remember walking out, getting in my car and driving home. So it was, wow. it was quite... You know, these stories are quite crazy when you think about it now, but actually they're, you know, people are going through this every single day. Uh, it may seem irrational, but at the time it was highly rational. I didn't want them near me. I thought they were looking at me, judging me, um, and I panicked and I left. Mm. You know, and I've got tons so, of stories like that. It's a vicious cycle, right? Yeah. You start to think they're talking about you in the office, having a meeting about you, talking about you, and then you start to feel stupid because you're thinking – about them talking about yeah. you and you think, well, I'm such an idiot for thinking like, who am I to think, you know, that they're talking about me like yeah. that. I'm a right idiot. And then that then creates a whole nother set of fears and another set of worries about that. Yeah. 
but it just manifests and manifests and, and uh but you're and, not on your own though right no 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 i mean i said since uh it's been a, a long way since that since yeah. that happened and uh, over the yeah we'll talk think project in a bit but actually i've spoken to so many people in the last few years that have been through such similar stuff such irrational mm. fears and experiences um so yeah so so if you're thinking like that and you're listening, you are not on your own. No way. It is, it is okay to have these irrational thoughts. And actually, actually sometimes accepting them and understanding why they're happening is, is mm. half the battle. Um, but I guess why we're here is to show that even if you are feeling so low as to wanting to drive your car into a tree, um, yeah. you know, there is a, there is a way out of that and you can thrive again. And I'd say I'm an example of that. Yeah. Absolutely. So with these pressures, with these challenges that we face, this weight we carry on our, on our shoulders, there often comes a very normal human reaction is to find a way to cope with it. Um, we create coping mechanisms. Um, what did you find? How did you try and cope? Before you found the solution, how were you trying to cope with the challenges you were facing? How was I coping? Um I was I I did I did a few things. Um I began I mean part of my job was arranging sales meetings with clients. I began avoiding them. So I began booking in less and less, attending mm. less meetings, doing less face-to-face physical stuff, um trying to sort of palm some of my work off on, on onto other people. Outside of home, uh, I was really, really struggling with sleep at the time. Mm. Uh, I just felt constantly wired, and it didn't matter how tired I was, um, sleeping was really, really difficult. So I used to, um, I used to sit there at night watching Netflix until God knows the the early hours of of, of each morning, um, and I'd drink not excessively, but I'd have a you know a couple of vodka diet cokes, uh, and I found that if I just chilled turned my phone off had a couple of vodka diet cokes uh watched some mind-numbing stuff on netflix that eventually i'd, I'd sort of fall asleep on the sofa and uh, mm. in the times where i didn't have the children um that was a that was a the way that that i that i dealt with things yeah um when i had the children the mask was back on i had to be a dad and i had to uh bath them feed them put them to bed, get them ready for nursery and school. Um, and so I just didn't, I, I couldn't afford to feel like that. Yeah. The problem with that is when you're hiding it, when you're masking it from work, from children, from family, um, you're just adding extra pressure. It becomes an awful lot more difficult. Yeah, I'm sure. So how did you, again, talking about like kind of that mask that we put on, how did you tell people that you were kind of living through a mask and that what you were portraying wasn't necessarily how you felt was it hard to tell family those that are closest to you how did you how did you approach that how um, did you feel having to do that i i really struggled so i hid it for so long i became the master of deception and uh i still have friends now who uh, I speak to about that particular time in, in, in my life and they still struggle to understand how I was going through what I was going through, but yet living a perfectly normal life in terms of the communication I mm. had with them and the way that, that, that it went down. Um, so I guess, uh, how did I tell them? <sighs> I the, the final straw for me 
um, and the turning point uh, was um, I'd had a particularly tough week at work and I woke up one morning and the thing about depression um, that I'm sure a lot of people will relate to is that there are just some mornings when you open your eyes and it hits you like a sledgehammer. Um, mm. You open your eye and you just know how bad the day's going to be. And it's um, it's yeah. like you see black the minute you open your eyes. It's the way that I've always described it. And I, re I remember there were multiple mornings where I would wake up and the, the first thing that would leave my mouth when my eyes open was, oh, for God's sake. I remember saying it because I knew how I was feeling yeah. and it would just hit you. There was a particular morning where, I'd uh, drunk too much the night before. Alcohol was just an absolute killer for me. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that in, in future podcasts. Um, but I woke up and I was feeling desperately low. And I think that was the, the breaking point. I, I completely had enough. Mm. Uh, and I started crying as I sometimes would in the mornings. And I didn't know why. And I'd I think I'd I'd just gotten completely fed up with it all and I'd got yeah. to the point where I didn't particularly want to be here anymore. So I walked to the bathroom. I went and got a packet of paramol, which is sort of extremely strong paracetamol. And uh, I decided that particular morning that enough was enough and I didn't want to be here anymore. And so I got, went back to the bed. I poured a vodka diet Coke at probably about nine o'clock in the morning and I uh, got all the tablets out and I looked at them in a pile on my bed. I'll never forget because I made a, a shape with the pile, a square of the tablets all lying there. And I decided that I was just going to take them all and enough was enough. And so you can only imagine the how low someone has to be in order to be able to even have the thought, let alone start the process of doing it. Yeah. And I always look back on, on myself uh, at this moment in my life and uh, I've had some crazy thoughts. I've even told myself, and this is me being super critical, that, uh, that I even bottled killing myself, <laughs> which, is a, which is quite a thought to have, is beating yourself up for not killing yourself. Um, but what I did... Um, well, I'm glad you didn't. Well, thank you. <laughs> what I did while crying uh, is I decided to text my dad. And it's probably a text message that I would say is the ultimate turning point in my life and that has taken me from the depths of the darkest mm. times to absolutely thriving i sent him a message saying dad i don't want to be here anymore um i'm about to kill myself and i think within about 15 minutes he was bursting through my front door and it was a cry for help and i'm glad that it was a cry for help and not a goodbye uh, and he took me back to their house they live fairly local, so for that I'm forever grateful. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the that was the turning point. Um, they had no idea how bad it really was. They knew that something was up, but not to this extent. And uh, loved my mum and dad to bits. They uh, they sort of almost pressed the button and they they into sort of crisis mode. And uh, they dealt with everything. And I'm extremely lucky and grateful that I had people in my life because I know people, some people don't. Um, yeah. And so they started the wheels in motion. Um, they communicated with my friends how bad it was. They uh, spoke personally to my boss at work. 
um, much to my dismay, because that was the one thing, the one real fear that I did have is, is yeah, that those guys finding out. It yeah. was my biggest worry. Mm. Um, and that was really the turning point. That was the, that was the start of things. And then everyone knew. Um, I would say that I'm to this day shocked at just how um, amazing those people were in my life. People who were super close to me, people who weren't so close to me were just so unbelievably compassionate. And in at the flick of a switch, a few emails sent, a few phone calls had, these guys went from my biggest fear, finding out, to caring, awesome people. The response was brilliant. My work told me to take as much time as I wanted. I had a job for life and um, that they would look after everything. Uh, my fam- my parents uh, moved me in with them. My friends sent me messages daily, called me, mm. wanted to take me out. Uh, and it was that reaction that that was the catalyst for for me getting better. Awesome. So telling people is quite an important thing to do. Hugely, hugely. Mm. I've, I've actually written down as part of this podcast, we're going to, um, I want every podcast, I, as, me, as much of the, the content and the stuff that we create, I want, uh, I want to make sure that there are learnings. There are, I don't want it to just be us talking about ourselves. I want to, I want to give you guys, um, stuff to think about and stuff to take away. And so I've actually written down some learnings from my story that I'd like to get across so we can move into those later. But yeah, that's awesome. one of them is yeah. don't be afraid of telling people, tell them as soon as you can, as detailed as you can, give them everything and you will be shocked at yeah. the response that you get back. Yeah. Awesome. And unfortunately, you, you know, you were very lucky with the, the support network you had around you and, and the amount of love, you have around you and the network of people you have around you. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't No, you know, a lot of people don't have that, which is, is which is kind of where this serves its purpose. It's why we're what we're doing exactly that. This is why we're here. Yeah, we want to be here. that family for, for those out there that, that don't have the family Agreed. to support them. Yeah, no, we want to provide the tools, the content, the support, the community for people to reach out and, and get stuff back from. Mm. So that's, that's why this exists. Yeah. So, in terms of the story, how, how, what happened then? Because I'm at my lowest point. You know, I'm pretty so, much suicidal. <laughs> I, it was, yeah, it was tough, and I've I've gone to live with my my parents. And um, so, what were the next steps? I'd love to say the journey was a nice up uphill, fantastic journey where I took these certain steps and everything got better again. But actually, there were, as with most of these roads, there are ups and downs. Um, mm. I went to the doctors first and foremost, I have to say, and um, I need to be careful about this because doctors are fantastic and do a brilliant job. Yeah. Um, but my experience with the, the local GP was nothing short of shocking. Um, I had a very, very frosty, difficult conversation. Um, I felt like I was being judged. And um, I was asked pretty much five questions to fill in a form. And I was immediately given extremely strong uh, antidepressants. Um, I mean, I could have gone in there and said anything to get those antidepressants. It was just so, so, so easy. Uh, But at the time, I was desperate. My mum worked as a nurse all her life. Um, 
understands the type of medication that I was taking and and she recommended it she said yeah let's 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 do this so I started mm-hmm. taking it and for a couple of weeks uh, not much changed um from what I understand medication wise uh it tends to go one of two ways it either works or it, it you have a reaction to it uh, I had a reaction to it I would say around the third week my symptoms got worse in pretty much every department mm-hmm. um it was psychosomatic, which is physical pain through from the mind. Um, mm. Horrible pains in my shoulders. I, I f- broke down in the middle of a high, high street. Um, it was extreme paranoia. Uh, and it got to the point where um, my mum and I sat down and looked at the side effects of the particular uh, antidepressants that I was taking. And showed, mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. We're in her kitchen. She had a highlighter. She started highlighting all of the symptoms that I was having. I think we stopped around 27, 28 and realized I've got to get off of these things because these are, wow. these are really, really messing me up. Um, along the same time of that, I was told that I would get a call from a um, counselor, someone to talk to. Um, I was told I'd get a call within a few days. A week went by. I chased um, nothing told I'd get a call back another week went by told I'd never get a call back and in the third week I get a call from someone who clearly didn't know much about what was happening they asked me a few questions but the opening question that they asked me on the phone when they got my name and date of birth was are you going to kill yourself so they had a lot of tact and well, uh, I'd waited three no, weeks no beating around a, the bush <laughs> yeah, I'd waited three weeks for that question uh, and I actually at that point decided you know what screw you screw you this mm. isn't working i don't feel like the nhs are geared for helping people with mental health uh, i don't think the understanding is there yet and certainly the investment and so uh, i'd been given medication that hadn't worked uh, i'd been told that i'd been speaking to a counselor they hadn't called and when they had they they'd done it in a very tasteless way uh, and so i decided that i had to do this for myself mm-hmm. um and and that's where that's where the journey really started so what what were the the steps that you took? Where did you start? Where did you start to to search for answers? How you can kind of make those changes yourself, rather than relying on the the professionals, the doctors, the, the national health service. What where where did you start to go for? Well, I sp- knowledge I sp- and inspiration. I spent a morning uh, googling, such a millennial thing to do. <laughs> but I, I spent a morning researching it, and from what I understood, um, there are a few key things that help your your mental health. One of them being uh, your diet. Another one being uh, keeping fit and releasing the endorphins yep. from working out or going for walks or anything physical. Mm-hmm. Um, setting myself goals uh, and tasks that I could tick off. Not huge, ambitious, great projects, but creating a to-do list that I could tick off and achieve throughout the day. I need to start achieving again and realizing that my, my days were worthwhile. Mm. You, need, you need those opportunities to give yourself a pat on the back, yeah. not give yourself a hit around the head with an imaginary bat right <laughs> so i basically exactly and i basically devised a plan and worked at it so um 
surrounding myself with happy people, nice people who cared for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I treated the gym like my church. I mean, I was there every single day. And I'm not condoning that if you've got, if you're struggling with your mental health, you just dive into the gym. But I have to say, it's one of the better things to do. And so I was living and breathing the gym. I was dieting. I was losing weight. I was creating to-do lists, sort of systematically putting my life back together again. And the way that I did it was I just had a daily structure. And part of our big... Mm -hmm. first 30 day download that we've got on the website yep is that is is the little there, plug there <laughs> it is <laughs> it's, it's there it's there to help people and so i call it the first 30 days because it's the first 30 days that i decided i'm going to do something about this and it's a diary planner and it's setting goals and understanding mm-hmm. fitness and diet all of this stuff and i did it um and actually that's that's what saved me that's what got me back to sort of where i am today and i now live and breathe some of the rules that are in that that download mm-hmm. Awesome. So it's a pretty powerful story, Rich. I've I've heard that so many times. Uh, and um yeah, it's still it's still powerful. I still think it needs to be heard by more people, you know, because it is so open and honest and people need to hear it. Which I think brings us on to the Think Project. It does quite nicely. Uh, Lead us on. So we were <laughs> um why are we working together so we've obviously been friends for a long time but actually why we're working together is i was at matt's wedding um oh, a few months after all of this happened and i'm way yeah. back on my way to uh to to, to, to recovering and, and thriving again and uh we had a chat on the dance floor at his wedding and it got a little deep it's a bit too standard, deep for a wedding if standard, standard dance floor chat <laughs> we had had a few drinks uh, and uh we we it got a bit deep and i basically told him that i had been through this and that i felt a little bit aggrieved that the process that i'd been through in terms of my care so the experience with the gp the experience with the the health service in general mm. um just had been so poor and that I'd been at a point where I'd been desperately looking for answers and uh, help and couldn't find it. And I think I said to you, there has to be more than this. Uh, And you, uh, I never forget it, said, you know what, I'm working on something that's really, really similar to this. I've got a side project to my my personal training. Mm -hmm. I care massively about this. I think you've been on your own journey, which I think We'll probably do in another podcast. Yeah, me. Yeah, um, I'll bore you with that another time. <laughs> it's not boring. And uh, and and I said, well, do you know what? We should work together. And here we are. Um, so what what is the Think Project? Where do we start? So the, the the Think Project, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, it exists to empower and inspire people with mental health. So we plan on doing this. Uh, through several ways the first is telling powerful stories so uh, we've just told my story we have um, plenty of other people who have even more inspirational stories than I do Um, and we want to tell them we want to we want we want to tell these powerful stories and um, in the hope that by listening to them you uh, understand that no matter how bad you feel people have probably been worse and are now thriving and so that's the first thing we're doing we're going to create content. We want to co-create uh, really cool, helpful content with people who are awesome at what they do. So that could be anything from diet or speaking to vegans and diet plans or personal trainers or um, people who do yoga, whatever it takes. All of these cool 
unique ways that you can help help yourself and feel good about yourself. We want to talk to the best people doing it and we want to bring uh, courses and guides and help and content to you uh, and deliver it in the hope that, that you pick it yeah. up and can run with it. You'll be pleased to know it's not just the Matt and Rich show. It's not, no. no. I mean, if it was us, it would it would be really pretty boring, I think, after a while. <laughs> uh, there are only so many uh, crazy questions we can ask each other. But no, so we're on the lookout for people who um, who do this stuff. Yep. We're open to anything. Call, Any, calling all people. We, we've got a concept, think, move, fuel. So obviously think, stuff for the mind, move, movement, fitness, in and out the gym, and fuel. How do you fuel your body? What do you eat? What do you drink? Anyone that has a specialism within that, within those those areas, we want to talk to, co-create, work together. Um, what else are we doing? Oh, a supportive and engaging community. So we our, our aim is is pretty damn simple. We want to build the world's largest and most engaging mental health community. Um, that's really, really important to us. We want a place where you can go to talk to like-minded people, to inspire, to encourage, to motivate. Uh, and that's going to be digitally. So that will be on the likes of Facebook, Instagram, um, and moving forward. I think we're probably going to build a platform that, that delivers all of this. That's, and the, that's the goal. That's the goal. But we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Um, we want to bridge the gap between mental health um, or sort of mental stigma and popular culture. We're, we're, we're looking at using fashion as the vehicle to do that. So we're going to bring out clothing ranges that are um, powered by people's stories. Um, and... We're going to connect the best minds in wellness with the people who need the most. I think that's 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 the yeah. end goal. Uh, we don't have all the answers yet, but we know that something needs to be done. So that's that's sort of that's where we're mm. at. And we want to have fun doing it. Yeah, we want to have fun doing it. You know, mental health. You know, we're not saying mental health is a joke. It is by far a joke. But we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. No. You know, we're in this to have fun and, and make people smile. But you know, we won't do it in any other way other than. Just having a giggle. No, you know? I mean, I I don't think we'll ever take ourselves too seriously. And uh, we contemplated, is mental health something you can laugh at? Well, I, I think it is. I think if you, I think if we, um, you know, it's no, it's, it's, it's not lighthearted. It's a really, really serious matter. But that doesn't mm. mean you can't have fun. And often having fun and laughing about this stuff is what makes or breaks your day. It certainly used to with me. Um, yeah. My my friends used to, uh, and granted, this was after a, a period of time had elapsed because it was a very <laughs> sensitive subject. But even still now to this day, they still take the piss out of me. <laughs> they, they still they still call that's, me a D and ask me, ask me if I'm going to cry about something. Or, um, <laughs> yeah. But actually, that's our humour, and that's what that's what uh, you know, that's what makes it worthwhile. And so, uh, La laughing with you, not at you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really really important. Um, so, so the Think Project is going to be this on ongoing online thriving community full of content and experts and empowered empowered stories motivation it's just everything um mm. and and it's going to evolve and it's going to grow but the um the community is the key function to this if we can build it um then we can then um provide some real real value and, and hopefully change a lot of lives absolutely in the process. so how can people help how how we um what like normally there'll be some sort of call to action at the end of a, a podcast at the end of something like this. 
So we don't really have a call to action. We're not not selling anything. Believe it or not, I work in marketing and have done for an awful long time. (laughs) Uh, The rule of thumb in my world is how do you close them? What's the... How, what's the call to action? How do you how do you get them in? How do you get them um, in the door? But as Matt says, no, we're not really selling anything, and we may do in time. We've got plans, as I've said, for clothing and all sorts. But it will be done in an ethical way that gives back to charity. That we want to do things the right way. But actually, how can you help us? Really, really simple. I've got a few things here. So number call to action time. Number one, sharing your stories. Um, do you have a mental health story? Do you know someone who does? Um, do you know inspirational people that are servicing the mental health community? Who do you know? What do you know? We want people who inspire. We want to. We want to get stories out there. It's such a powerful thing to mm-hmm. do. So if you've got one or know someone who has, please get in touch. Even even if you know you just have a story of living with family, with friends, with mental health. You oh know, yeah. We want to hear it from the perspective of of the support group, the yeah. support network as well. You don't just have to have suffered with it yourself, you know, to become a part of this and raise and raise the awareness. Because people who live with love, support, know, you know, people are, are just as important in this as as those that have suffered themselves. Agreed. Agreed. Um, we're going to run a series of challenges so you can join those. They're going to be like Facebook challenges where we challenge you to do all, th- they could be fitness, they could be, uh, it could be brain training, it could be um, improving your diet. All you have to do is get involved and share, share your content with us. Um, so we've got things like that going on. Um, obviously we're building a community. So what would really, really help us um, to get this message out there and to start helping people is that you like our stuff, you join our groups. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, anything that you can do to help us get out there, share our stuff with people who you know might need it. As I already mentioned, we've got a first 30 days guide. It's a it's a really insightful uh, understanding of how I went from uh, the darkest depths of depression through to back thriving again and a better person than I've ever been. Mm. We've sort of documented that and put some structure to it with goals and it is value. awesome. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Share it with people, download it, whatever, however, whatever you can do to help us get, get stuff out there, then we're, you know, we're interested. So there's that. Um, we're looking for experts to co-create content. Do you specialize in any of the things we've spoken about? We'd absolutely love to work with you. Um, so just, yeah, recommend people, tag them, whatever it takes. So that's really how you can help is we, we need people who can spread the message. We need people who can help us to mm-hmm. uh, add value, build a community. Um, and th- this isn't just our thing. This is for anyone and everyone who has an experience with mental health. We want you to own it as much as us. And in order for us to, you, to do that, you need to just, yeah, just get involved. Indeed. Also, I think, so I think I think, that's it. I think that's it, but actually, it's not it, Matt. Because <laughs> okay, Rich, <laughs> I've, just hit you with a, I've just hit you with something again. There, it's not. Um, so I'm really, really keen on um, having takeaways from our podcast. So today, ah, yes. today we've spoken about my story, um, and I want to finish every podcast with a few learnings, things that you can take away and and implement. Um, depending on uh, who we're interviewing or who's involved in a podcast will depend on, on where they come from. But actually, from my story, um, I've got a few things that, that, that I can get across. Um, so here are my eight sort of 
tips, my eight sort of words of advice. Cool. Uh, so num- number one, the learnings. Number one, don't be worried about what work, friends or family will think. People are much more understanding and empathetic towards your mental health than you would ever imagine. So reach out as soon as possible. You'll you'll really be surprised. Number two, alcohol is dangerous uh, and it doesn't have a positive impact on your mental health. No matter how social you are or how important it is in your life, cutting it for a period will help you enormously. Uh, a break doesn't mean teetotal, but it does mean cutting down. And this is something that I'm sure will go into with me because alcohol... So there's a whole podcast in yeah, itself there. Yeah. Number three, a good deed goes a long way. Uh, I found so yes, much solace in, in helping others. No matter how small the gesture, it sort of bolsters your self-worth, improves vital relationships. Mm-hmm. Do it once a day, see what comes back. Number four, organize your day. Uh, it'll help you to take back control when you don't feel like you are in control. So take five minutes out each morning, list tasks that you want to do for the day. What are you eating? Where are you going? This habit is is incredible for feeling more productive and getting more out of it. Um, number five, reflection is powerful. Uh, and it's probably the most underutilized activity that human beings do. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, I learned to review the tasks that I'd set out that morning and the sense of accomplishment uh, a releases endorphins but b makes yeah excites you gets you up for the next day what are the next challenges yeah six i think this is a big one understand calories so the world of health and fitness has been absolutely abused beyond belief now matt's shaking his head at me because we always argue about this <laughs> but um there's going to be some uh, some interesting uh, some debates on yes, this one but, uh, but 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 the fitness industry my belief is that it's been abused uh, i think certainly by people who have no other motive than to make a quick quick buck or two. The simplicity of understanding how to work out the calories you need to consume each day and then understanding that to lose weight, you eat slightly less. To gain weight, you eat slightly more is vital because I do think that body composition, weight can, can often play a huge, huge factor in how someone feels. So understanding how to manipulate that at a basic level mm. is is vital. Matt's desperate to talk. Uh, Number seven, move more than you have been. So this is a good one. You don't need an extreme seven-day fitness plan like I did, but you do need to do something. You release endorphins from physical activity. So um, the sense of achievement is one of the number one ways to get back on track. It could be a light walk, a light swim, 20 press-ups, do something every day. Um, Oh, yes. And number eight is probably the most controversial Uh, And it's one where we're probably going to have to be a bit careful. Uh, Medication isn't always the answer. I'm not qualified to give advice here. uh, So I'll keep it a bit light. But medication can help someone at crisis point. Uh, It can give you a lift, but it isn't the cure. The small changes you make, some of which are outlined here, uh, are the true answer to recovery. So my advice is to use medication as a last resort when things are extreme. However, always consult a professional on this because as I say, mm. I'm not qualified. But I Absolutely. personally have a personal belief that if you do the stuff that I've just listed, um, that's a huge, huge step to feeling better about yourself. Give it a go. Awesome. Uh, and ultimately, medication can always be a last resort. So yeah. they're the learnings for today. Love it. I think that's it. Um, well, guys, thank you for listening to episode one, the very, very first, the inaugural Think Tank. <laughs> There'll be um, some interesting people coming your way. We've got some really good stories lined up, that's for sure. We're going to be using this podcast to either tell stories or speak to experts that can give you awesome advice and and, and stuff that you can really take away. So uh, I'm really, really excited about what's to come. 
Me too. Guys, once again, thank you for listening. Um, we'll, we'll be with you very soon with episode two. Cheers. Thanks, guys.